Welcome to Wise Health for Women Radio with Linda Prater. Women are pressed daily to give more, learn more, and be more, often at the expense of mind, body, or spirit. Each week with intriguing guests and topics, we'll bring you fresh ways to view your limited time, encouraging a shift to new, healthier perspectives. Wise Health for Women Radio, helping women thrive. And now here's your host, Linda Prater. Good morning and welcome to our show. We are in the midst of our many episodes. It's it's funny, Susie and I have come to understand that uh, grief and loss is so complex and interesting and it's good to talk about. And so today we're going to talk about grief and loss, which we are doing during this long pandemic hold time. We're still in the shelter in place in most states, and it, it feels quite odd. I think we'll do a separate program on on, on what life looked like before um, and what we hope it will look like in the future. But today we're going to talk about compassion and comparison, because some of us get very, very awkward around grief. And some are afraid of grief or witnessing grief or just being very uncomfortable. It can be terrifying, can be new. Some people want to disappear. Others blurt and there's no right or wrong way. But we'd like to talk about it so that we feel we understand some of the things we are better off doing, some of the things we are better off not doing, and why it's important to reach out and be kind. And that's why we talk about Compassion, because I think we're trying to encourage that with every one of our programs. So I'm on today with Susie Reese, again, my cohort in this uh, <laughs> series that we started very innocently, and then it moved right into uh, the COVID-19 experience, which has been different for everyone. But grief and loss are different for everyone. Well, I think thank you for having me back again and <laughs> putting up with me. <laughs> Uh, no, no, I think it's been therapeutic for both of us. I, I would agree. And I think too that I think that you and I both have come to have a few realizations as we as we've gone through this series. Um, some not so great, but I, I've I've found a lot of really good and insightful things as well. So I appreciate that. Well, I agree with you, and I think talking about things that are often uncomfortable to talk about can help you, help me, I know, um, because there's there's thoughts we have, and, and sometimes you don't want to express those thoughts because you think, someone's going to think I'm absolutely nuts, <laughs> um, or you don't know how to say it, and, and sometimes we're tongue-tied with how to say it right. Is that even a term? I don't think it is when it's coming. I think that's grief. how people feel, though. I think that they feel like there's a right or wrong way of mm-hmm. saying things. And I, and I think you're right. I don't know that. I think that's a, a, a fairy tale <laughs> in some mm-hmm. ways because what is right to say, but I would say that another reason might be that we often feel like we're the only ones that feel that way. And mm-hmm. so maybe that's why we don't push into having those conversations or saying anything is, well, I, I'm the only one that thinks this. And then I think through this conversation that we've had that you and I've come to realize there's a lot of people that have those same or similar feelings. Well, and I think it's changed over time. Um, when I lost my mother 30 years ago, 
I, no one was talking about this at all. And I did feel, you know, really, I, I don't want to say crazy, but I thought that I didn't understand at all. And people really didn't know what to say other than, you know, I'm sorry for your loss, to which you always reply with sincerity. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, then come sometimes what I'll call the awkward platitudes, mm-hmm. um, the ones that I've come to know I, I am better off not saying those they're in a better place. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some of the ones that you've heard? I'm blanking all of a sudden. That was a, a, a one that I hear quite a bit. They're, they're in a better place. I've heard versions of that. Mm-hmm. Um, most recently someone said, well, uh, now they're with, with those others that, that you've lost. Like that's a, a good thing in some ways. Um, they're not suffering anymore. Um, you know, there's, and I mm-hmm. think that, again, the concept of them being at peace in some way. And mm-hmm. so we say variations of that and that doesn't always, you know, they may be, but we're still here, you know, trying to get through that, that feeling of loss. And, and I think that that's the difficulty is, you know, um, coming to terms with, well, that's, that's hopefully you're right. I don't know. Um, but here I am still in pain. So. Right. And, and it is very complex because when we lose people, uh, as opposed to when we lose a situation, we also change the situation. So for example, if you lose a parent or you lose a spouse, other relationships then shift. Mm-hmm. Um, I would venture to say that there are a lot of people who identify that they feel sad and, and they, they don't, but they don't think that they can apply the word grief to it. So for example, when someone loses a pet, which I think is one of the most pure losses we can suffer, they don't equate it with the same thing as losing a person. And so sometimes people will just be very quiet and you won't know why. And yet they've lost a very large piece of their world. Yes. And I think too, that, you know, it's difficult for one person to understand another person's feelings and attachments and things Mm -hmm. like that. And Mm -hmm. so through some of my work, I've come to realize that like you're talking about pet loss Mm -hmm. uh, in a lot of ways that is like a child. I mean, there's some similarities. It's not the same. Um, but that's a huge amount of time that someone has, has built mm-hmm. a relationship with another living thing. Right. Um, and, and too often others around may not understand. So they may not lean into that conversation. They may not know what to say, or they may not have that same type of relationship in their lives. So it doesn't be, it doesn't look like something that they think should have so much feeling or so much attachment to. And I think that's the difficult thing, right? Because we lose things, not just things, but, but, you know, animals, um, people throughout our lives and each situation is different. Um, that doesn't mean that it's any less hurtful or, um, (laughs) that we shouldn't have those feelings that we do have. But I think that as a human being, it's like, Oh, okay. They're, they're in pain. And then two weeks later you get back in your everyday and you forget or overlook, I should say, um, that that person is still enduring that, that feeling, that sense of 
I mean, every, every day, their habits, those routines, the, mm-hmm. you know, getting up, feeding them, going for walks. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's a huge part of a person's lifestyle. So I would absolutely agree. And, and I think there's often judgments attached to things. So we're coming into our comparison piece. So if someone feels as though they've lost a pet, but that isn't as great a loss as you just lost, uh, a parent, mm-hmm. um, or so-and-so lost, uh, someone close to them. We, we urge everyone and ourselves not to build a hierarchy of, of what loss is acceptable loss. All losses are hard and everyone has a different and unique way of processing those losses. We had that whole show on processing loss and grief. But a grief response, you, you don't know other people's, the extent of their pain. And, and I would venture to say oftentimes our emotions aren't so simple as just to say sad or pain or loss or lonely. There can be anger. There can be betrayal. There can be, um, frustration. Uh, there can be regrets. So this is not an easy topic to, to manage. Uh, but it, we still come back to kindness and compassion because even in parallel losses, so you and I both lost our fathers, but they're different. They're completely different. And usually that is the way losses are. They might be parallel, but you had a different life experience and I had a different life experience. And so does everyone else. Right. And I think too, that it's, it's difficult for us to put ourselves in the situation of another, especially if you had a parallel loss, because uh-huh. there are things, there are nuances between relationships. And I mean, our ages were different. So that in itself changes quite uh-huh. a bit of, of what's going on around you. And I think too often as human beings, it's an either or, um, and that's uh-huh. that comparison is a, well, if it's this and it's, it can't be that, but it can be, and it is all the time. Uh-huh. Um, and I think that's the difficulty is if we sat and really looked at all of the different nuances and perspectives and feelings, and it would be overwhelming and no one would ever want to get out of bed <laughs> because there's so much pain, you know? And I think, so it's easier for us to say, well, this is my experience. This is what I've learned, but mm-hmm. you know, yours is over here and it's different when it, it is different, but there are similarities and there are other components that go into it. And that makes it complex and it makes it yes. nearly impossible for us to sit down and say, okay, this is exactly what this is because it's ever changing. And it will continue to morph. I think that's the interesting thing is that it doesn't stay static as you process and move through grief. You could go in many different directions. And sometimes we are awkward and silent. I know I'm often awkward, but it's helpful sometimes to to just be able to talk it through. And, and that's where listening is so important. Well, and I think that, as, as human beings, we have to, we feel the need to fill silence because silence in itself can be awkward. Um, or we have this perception that it's awkward. And sometimes that is, is the most important time. And I think that if you're in that setting and someone has lost someone that you have to let go of that, that personal need 
to fill that silence for them. Um, and, and just being there because essentially you're allowing them the space to feel however it is that they need to feel. And that in itself can be so healing for an individual to know that, that they have the freedom to, to be awkward with you. Mm-hmm. Um, but that you're, you're going to sit there with them and that you're going to stay in that with them. And, and that in itself to me is very, um, compassionate, you know? I love that. I love that. We have to go on a quick break and we will be right back. We're continuing talking about loss and grief, compassion and comparison. Don't go away. We're Wise Health for Women Radio and we'll return after these short messages. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Harvard Medical School reports that over 800,000 Americans have hip or knee replacement each year. It's better to stick with your own joint rather than having it replaced because the average joint that's replaced only lasts 10 to 15 years. So having the surgery done at age 50 instead of 70 means there's a good chance you'll need a second surgery when you are older and at higher risk for complications. They recommend that you take care when using your joints. And if you do have joint problems, try non-surgical approaches before turning to surgery. Your doctor may choose to use steroids or lubricating fluid injections to help ease the pain. But they say the most important thing you can do to care for your joints is lose weight. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. To hear other fitness and weight loss tips, visit our website at AnnetteHammond.com. Welcome back. On the break, we were talking about an experience that I had when I was asking for help after my mother died. I was 26, and my father was grieving terribly. I know this now with time, age, and experience, and and yet I... I needed some support or some help or some empathy or, you know, pick one of those supportive words. And I said, but dad, I, I really need some help. And he said, well, I, I, I just don't know what to say. You only lost your mother. I lost my wife. And I remember being very shocked at the time. And I'm not saying this to say something hurtful about my father. He was a loving, warm man who was at the time extremely lost. But I was lost too. And I don't think I'm alone in this experience. We we tend to build a hierarchy, or in this case, he did. And I was left to find my own way in terms of how to process grief at a relatively young age, mid-twenties, and I had a brand new baby and a, a, a traveling husband, and it was really hard, but I think that those kinds of things are said because people in pain can cause pain, not necessarily consciously, and you know, he recently died, and I long ago forgave him for that comment because I recognized it was born out of pain and grief and loss of his own. And yet in some small way, the same day I lost my mother, I lost a piece of my father too because the dynamic changed. You you look at a couple differently when one is 
gone and missing. And that's when you realize that your parents, <laughs> they're fallible too, and that one maybe softened the edges of the other and the other one doesn't communicate quite the same way, which is another shift you have to undertake and endure in losses. Does that make sense? I think so. And I, I think that, that you're right that, you know, especially in partnerships like that, when you have parents, mm-hmm. that relationship is based on the two of them. Right. And so without one, it completely alters the, the di- dynamic of that individual, but then mm-hmm. how they relate to others as well. And I think that, that that's another really poignant piece that you've made a comment about. You know, he was in pain and mm-hmm. he may not have even thought about what he was saying. It may I'm just sure been he a did comment. not. He was the kindest man. So... That's, that comes back to that compassion is sometimes we unintentionally cause pain to others because we're hurting and we're not processing that. And, and, you know, for you to be able to turn around and give him for forgiveness for that, that's, that's really compassion and saying, I understand that that was not necessarily how you feel. That's just how you felt at that one particular point in time because you were hurting. But I, you know, I think that that's part of, of humanity is we do attach importance to certain types of relationships mm-hmm. over others. And I've seen that, um, especially in sibling loss where siblings yes. often get overlooked versus, you know, the spouse or the parents or the children, all of those situations. So it's called think, hidden loss, right? And, and it makes it difficult because there's, there are simply people that we pour all of our attention and compassion into mm-hmm. when these things happen. But then you have others who just feel kind of listless, like we're here, but no one really sees what's happening. So do we even matter? And then you start internalizing all of these conversations and questions. And I think that's the difficulty though, is because for so long, we haven't had these conversations mm-hmm. that there's still a lot that we really haven't even scratched the surface of. Um, and I think that that's where we can start changing our perspectives and, and how we have conversations around it. Because mm-hmm. in that moment, had people around your father had conversations beforehand, maybe he would have said, I understand that you're suffering. I don't know how to be her or be there for you right now mm-hmm. or changing that language up in some way. Um, but I think too often we say things and I've, I've done it in the past. I've said we things intentionally and then going back and thought, Oh, I, I didn't mean it the way it came out or, you know, I wasn't even thinking. Um, so being able to go back and ha- and say, you know, maybe I can do this differently. Maybe I can have these conversations in a better way. Mm-hmm. I don't know that there's a, a perfect or good way, like you well, said. Earlier. And I also think you have to recognize that people are doing the best they can at the time they do it. And I repeated that phrase to myself thousands of times because my father thought in a very linear fashion. He was an engineer. Mm-hmm. And so emotions were not easily handled or discussed um, we knew if we didn't want to discuss something in the household, my sister and I would just cry because that would make him walk away. And so I must admit that we were nudgy kids. I, I have to admit that. Um, but we were older at this point. And, and it's so funny. People do try and do their best. If there's good love between you, they try and do their best. And that's where forgiveness and compassion and kindness and, and yes, understanding 
is really important because you don't want to lose more people because of a careless remark that really hurt. But, but you don't want to lose them because you already have lost. And so you might lose a little piece, as I mentioned before, but the, the remainder that was left was so sufficient and so helpful and so loving that I only bring it up because we're talking about things that are the compassion and, and this, in this case, was a comparison. And those, as we have heard in a couple of instances today, comparisons are tough and we are in a comparative society. Social media will, will take, social media can knock you off at the knees. It does, and it often aggravates me because I'll make a, a statement or something very simple, and then all of a sudden we'll, you know, this is this can't be because of this, and I'm like, that's not true. <laughs> or you know, one person is suffering, or one type of people is suffering, and they say, well, they're suffering, but so is this other person. I'm like, I agree. <laughs> we, but that's a comparison, are. exactly. And it's like, well, it, it shouldn't. It, again, it shouldn't be an either or situation. Mm-hmm. But I think too that when people say things, then we start to internalize that comparativeness. And mm-hmm. do I have a right, or should I? get these needs met because that's what it is. We have needs. Um, and in the same way or to the same extent that this other person is, or should I, should I put some of my feelings and needs aside in order to that for them to get more of those things that they need? And I think that that, that's a, another problem with it because in grief, when we shower one with attention, we can un, unintentionally show the others that you're not, as important because of your relationship and that's simply not true. So I would you know, fully agree with that because I have had comfort at the time and then since then when other things have happened in my life, I've had comfort from people who I would really say were close acquaintances, not even close friends. Because sometimes people who are a little bit removed can be remarkably kind and helpful because of the lens that they're looking through. Maybe they see things in a a bit more um, clear way than, than we do because we're so close to it at the time. But, you know, titles and roles kind of disappear if someone can find the right words to say. Like I said, I, I can remember acts of kindness, words of kindness from people who I you know, have seen a handful of times in my lifetime, but they have no idea how they positively affected me so many years ago. It's I a gift. That. Well, and I think that those are the moments for me I, I return to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I may not remember how long it lasted or any of those things, but you go back to who was there. And sometimes it's so surprising. Mm-hmm. Um, when my sister passed last year, people showed up that I hadn't seen in years. And mm-hmm. I just thought, I didn't even know you kept track of me, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, it was such a difficult time that you just felt I, I felt overwhelmed and I just felt, even though I wasn't alone, you, you just feel alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and for these people to show up, I felt less alone and I, I tried to say thank you and let them know, but I, they'll probably never even have a clue as to what that really meant. And the fact that when I, 
felt like the world was completely against me, which, you know, it's a, it's a, a normal feeling right? <laughs> during, during losses, um, the world showed up and that really helped me because I was, I was really struggling with a lot of just thoughts and, you know, I hate to say it, but I thought, why, why even bother? <laughs> why help anyone? Why? And then people started helping me and I saw it and that, that, kept me who I am. And I think that's part of the the difficulty with grief is when you have lost someone or something or uh, meaning in any way, you aren't yourself. Right. And you don't even necessarily know what that means. And I've lost things over my life time and time again, people and love relationships, all of these things. And every time I'm a little different during that loss. So I never know exactly who I'm going to be at that time. Um, so being able to stay in tune with yourself, that who you really are, that's so important too. Don't you feel like you lose equilibrium (laughs) at times like this? I mean, that's, that's what comes to mind for me. Um, I love to sail. And so I'm used to things like a gimbaled stove or a gimbaled glass, meaning it will always stay stable no matter how much the boat heels to one side or the other or goes up and down and i i use it to to feel um grounding when i'm feeling like everything's tilting i i just remember just stand still and gimbal yourself because it it keeps you at least on the same plane as other people because the world showing up is huge and feeling adrift is really hard but you know it's it's sometimes the smallest acts of kindness that help us and that you said earlier you remember right right because I, I think that not only do you feel like your equilibrium is off but I felt like everything was just gray and I couldn't see mm-hmm. um, and I, w- I knew that there were things around me and people were around me but during times like that, so many people come together that it can be almost chaotic mm-hmm. and it isn't your normal every day. And every day I would wake up and after having not slept, <laughs> you know, right. um, and I'm sure that doesn't help either, but just, I felt like I was there, but I wasn't. So having that sense of, I know, I knew at, at the end of whatever length of time I would go back into my normal quote unquote routine, but having that sense of, okay, this, this is still who I am. It, there's a, a little glimmer of that here and there. And there are people around that helped to remind me. And that was so, um, I, I don't know, like a, a lifeline in a way. Mm-hmm. It, it felt like I was not as unattached. Well, and in some way the social cues that have been drilled into muscle memory, at least keep us standing because sometimes you don't even want to stand. And I, I think it's it's interesting how strong the mind is and how grief can be complex, complicated, and even sneaky. And so we're going to go on another break and come back and talk about how our tolerance for pain varies And grief is not linear. We'll be right back.
We're Wise Health for Women Radio, and we'll return after these short messages. was growing up in Wisconsin, no matter how frigid it was outside, my Uncle Bob never seemed to get cold. He would come in from the snow wearing a t-shirt and remark how fresh it was outside. Then again, folks from Wisconsin are a pretty hardy bunch. As America's official dairy state, the cows have been known to give ice cream instead of milk when the temperatures drop. What's a word for a giant snowball that is formed by rolling a smaller one through a field of snow? Hog-a-ma-dog. Megla is an old Scots word meaning to trudge laboriously through the snow. And mufflements is an old Lancashire word for thick, warm, insulating clothes and gloves. Don't forget that you shouldn't try and send text messages if you're standing out in the cold. It can lead to hypothermia. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Now that summer is almost here, it's a perfect time to change up your workout routine. For many of us, summer means new schedules for our children and for us. No matter where you live, this new season will bring new opportunities for you, if you look for them. If you do most of your exercising outside, you may have to adjust your exercise time due to the heat. Maybe you will need to get up earlier to get your workout in when it's not so hot. Or maybe where you live, summer means that it's finally warm enough to exercise outside. You may have had to exercise indoors for months because of the cold, but now you're able to take your workout outdoors. Whatever your situation is, find new activities to add to your routine. Swim laps or take a water aerobics class. Join a biking group or running club and get outdoors. Take advantage of this new season and rev up your workout. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Welcome back. We're now going to talk about what we mentioned right before the break, that grief at its core is complex, complicated, and ultimately the word that comes to mind is sneaky because you can process and move through some experiences and and you feel as though, okay, I've got my equilibrium again, at least a little bit. My footing is more sure. Um, I don't feel quite so adrift and boom, a memory will come back or a, a song that, that'll still undo me. Uh, a song will come across and, um, in the case of my mother, someone will be wearing the perfume she used to wear. So some of these of our five senses, something will come back to remind you and suddenly you're in a puddle again. And it's surprising to us. That's why I'm calling it sneaky because it, many, many years later, even decades later, it can feel almost as raw as it did in the beginning, except that we know that we've been here before and we know that we will be stable or more stable again. But let's face it, some life experiences affect you forever. I agree. And I think that that is in those moments you feel very human, um, knowing oh, that we both feel we very don't human, have control, don't we? Right? <laughs> <laughs> I only have so much control and <laughs> over anything. 
but I, I agree, and I think that in those moments, it can be difficult for others around, especially if it's a if it's one of those things that's abrupt, uh, or you know, you're out in the world and you s- smell that perfume and the people around you have no idea what's going on with you. And it takes you a moment to kind of step back into where you are because it does, it catches you off guard. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's difficult because, um, as humans, I don't know about you, but oftentimes if I'm, if I find myself in a situation like that, I won't say anything. No, Uh, but your face changes. Right. I know mine does. It does. And I, all the blood has, has left my, my, my (laughs) head and hands and everything else. And I feel like I'm, I'm going to pass out or, you know, whatever it is. And everyone around is just in their normal, you know, everyday situation. And here I am just, Oh, okay. I have to compose myself and how do I do that? And I'm not going to say anything. I don't want to make this awkward again. Mm-hmm. Um, and also I think that it comes back to when grief does sneak up on you that for me, at least, um, feeling of, I, I don't want to burden others with this right. thing that keeps coming back. Um, and I think sometimes that's unfair to those around us too, mm-hmm. because we assume that they wouldn't understand or that they wouldn't want to know or be there in those moments. So I think it depends on, on who we are and how comfortable and how vulnerable. Yes, I agree. Um, because it makes you vulnerable whether we want to admit it or not. So, well, I think we're limited in our ability to truly understand somebody else's grief because we don't fully understand our own. That's a good point. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. <laughs> Maybe that's just me, but I'm, I'm glad you agree as well, because I think what we have in common is that, you know, we have maybe the experience of a of a broken heart and we have wisdom to know that compassion is better than comparison. The, I, I do have to throw this in here in the middle of this thought is that nothing is almost nothing ever hit me harder than when somebody said, um, well, I know how you feel. I had this, this, and this at the same time. You don't want to feel or right. hear a comparison at the time because it's not going to make you feel any better. And actually, that person is going to kick themselves later because they're going to realize that they said something very awkward. So forgive them right off the bat if you can. Well, and I think there, there are some people, and I, I, to me, you know, there are different points of, of the grief process. Mm-hmm. And I have seen that within my own family, but with all, within friends and all of those situations when we've all lost someone and how people, I, I hate to say cope with it, but ha- handle it. Right. Um, or don't, you know, and there, and that's another thing is some people don't ever push past that point of that initial point of, of loss. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean to say that we move forward and forget that's not it at all. It's just, you have to kind of process it. And some people refuse to do that. And I think that that's the difficulty is sometimes they, they compare because they're still in that point within that loss. And I think they need, sometimes we need to wrestle with it even if it's terribly uncomfortable and get down in the mud and the muck and feel it because if you fail to feel it at some point it will stay with you mm. and what you resist will persist right. 
but it's true. It's true. And so in some ways, helping people accept their grief and letting one job, I think that we can do to help people is that you're there to let them know they're not alone. And you are also there to let them know you hurt with them. Well, and I, I think what you're saying, you know, you're right. We can only go so long without acknowledging the things that have happened and mm-hmm. trying to go through and, and, and wrestling with it. That's a great way of saying it because no one is okay with, with loss. No. no one wants that in their life. We all want to be happy and healthy and have all of the things that make us a whole human. Um, but at the same time, that's not, that's not reality. So I think that, that that is part of it though, is that resistance is more or less like refusal to accept mm-hmm. what's happened. And that's the the new reality, unfortunately. And so what does that mean? And how do we, um, process it, learn from it, whatever it is, because not every person, not everything has to have some poignant new, you know, you don't have to have an epiphany. Revelation. Every time. Right. Right. Uh, I think that that, that too can be, we have this concept in society now that we're, we have to achieve something out of every, every, um, valley has to have a mountain right after, after it, you know? Ugh. Well, I think it isn't about fixing people who are grieving. It, because we so often want to give solutions. I mean, there's always, there's always a joke about that men want to fix things, women just want to be heard. But there is a lot of people, there are a lot of people who would really like to fix this because your pain is making them uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And some things we've learned in life, we simply cannot fix. Uh, you cannot bring someone back. You cannot wish that things were different. You can't unsay uh, what you had said. And fixing those who are grieving is really good luck with that. Um, it, it's helping them maybe accept their grief. And again, how they choose to process the grieving itself and, and to let them know they're not alone. I think that was a gift that I was given multiple times in my life with loss where people said just very simple things. Mm-hmm. And it can be the platitude of, you know, I'm so sorry for your loss. But the way it was said was fantastic because you knew it wasn't just a statement. Right. You knew that they had meaning behind it. And I'd, I'd rather have the simple than the complex, you know, complicated, meandering, trying to find the right words thing. Um, something that I just did. But it's a, <laughs> it's a question of just sometimes the kindest, nicest thing is to, to smile and, and to um, let them know you're there. As you said earlier, sit with them in silence. Well, I, there were a few people last year who made the comment, there are no words. Mm-hmm. And that is such a simple, small phrase. And I completely, there were no words. I had mm-hmm. no expectations of of anyone saying anything that was profound or, you know, mm-hmm. meaningful at that time because I, it was such a... Uh, a huge 
Gosh. tragedy that happened all all of a sudden and it caught so many people in so many circles off guard and and there were no words mm-hmm. and that simple that simple statement meant so much to me because it acknowledged what happened but also they weren't trying to figure anything out they were just at a loss with me mm-hmm. um and, and I don't know. I mean, you know, I know that there've been times where I have been silent with someone or even just said, you can cry. Mm-hmm. Don't hold it back. You know, do what you need to do. You can cry. You can be silent. You can be awkward, whatever you need. Mm-hmm. I'll sit here with you. Um, and I, I know for me that, that gives me permission to just be awkward. <laughs> so, um, and I think that that's, that's the whole point though, is, is just, that acceptance doesn't have to be acceptance and then figuring something out. It can simply be allowing that person to be however they need to be during that time. And that's kind. Mm. That's compassion. And, and I think that, you know, we have really illustrated a couple of times how compassion covers up where words can't fill and all of the emotions that we feel, whether it's just the absence of that person and you know it's final, um, any regret or need or longing, it's a terribly stressful time. And so the, those two little words, no words, that's very strong. And I can see why it filled a space. Well, and I think that, you know, even after I had, uh, I have such a weird role in life where, you know, many of the people that I knew, they went back to their, you know, their normal quote unquote job. Mm -hmm. And that's a Monday through Friday and they see the same people over and over. And so those immediacies of acquaintances saying, you know, I'm sorry for your loss and all of those things happened within that set period of time. And Mm -hmm. for me, however, I, I run into people constantly that I haven't seen in a while. Right. (laughs) Right. Things pop back up over and over and over. And it just, it's a, a, another kind of, you know, scratch to that wound that hasn't quite healed yet. Mm -hmm. Um, but at the same time, again, those words come up and it, it felt as though they were letting me know, like, you don't, I'm not going to say anything because I don't have anything to say, but you don't have to say anything either. And that was enough because I, I, how, how do you say, what do you say in some situations? You don't. Because tragedies happen in this life. We have one last break to take and we will come back and talk further about some of these unresolved grief and inner conflicts and comparison and compassion. We're Wise Health for Women Radio and we'll return after these short messages. evening in 1929, William Lear and Elmer Wavering of Quincy, Illinois, were out driving with their girlfriends. One of the girls suggested it would be even more romantic if they could listen to music. The guys liked the idea and started tinkering with installing a home radio in the car. They sold their idea to a radio manufacturing company and applied for a loan with a local banker to get production started. Thinking it might sweeten the deal, they installed one of their new radios in the banker's vehicle. Unfortunately, the banker's car caught on fire and they didn't 
couldn't get the loan. They must have felt like Dunder Klumpens. Not giving up, they drove to a radio convention and sat outside in the car with the radio blasting. Soon, orders were pouring in and taking a cue from the Victrola because their radio was going in a car. They called it the Motorola. It's marching I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back. I, I think that you've heard us. We're kind of going off in, in sometimes thoughtful tangents, and sometimes we are just really reliving our experiences and trying to share them with you because they're there have got to be similarities with some of you listening. And one of the things we talk about, um, pr- talked about just momentarily ago, are that presumptions can really hinder you. If um, people want to know the cause of death or medical details, what to share, what you wish to keep private, and how you do that, because while we are often counseled, um, when you're asked to pray for someone or please keep so-and-so in your thoughts, you're, you're counseled not to say what's wrong. People do. And at a time when you're trying to master your own emotions, you're also trying to protect the other person. Um, and it's it's complicated, Susie, am I making any sense at all? The, I just think people's questions sometimes can be so inappropriate. But again, they're not usually meaning any ill by it. It's a conversation. Right. Well, and I think that we're curious by nature. And so I think when something happens, people want to know why. And I saw that. I've seen it over and over. If something happens, people ask, you know, information that really has no relevance mm-hmm. to them or to that particular situation. Um, but it's just a curiosity. And, so, and sometimes part of that can be wanting to help in some way and feeling like that might help them by knowing what it is that's going on. But at the same time, you're right. You know, we, we can struggle with how do we reply to that or without being callous and saying it's none of your business, you know, <laughs> um, <laughs> we've all felt that, right? I mean, we, it's true. You're like back off. So, right. Um, but, but that's, that's the, the difficulty is, you know, that, that during all of these tragedies, these losses, this grieving process, we want to just say, Hey, leave me alone. Let me be. But at the same time, maybe they're wanting to offer help or, or, trying to help in some way and you don't want to be rude. So, you know, what is the, the social etiquette (laughs) for these types of situations? And I think that it, it changes, right? Because relationships and individuals, um, I know just from the things that I've experienced that several people can be involved and we all react and, and handle things differently. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been known to go off the grid for a while and just if someone sends me messages and I can't manage right. to come up with information, I just won't reply mm-hmm. um, because I can't during that time, whereas other people may be more able to do that to communicate what's going on. So I think that that, again, comes back and, you know, this is all about compassion, being compassionate and understanding that some information is not ours to know right or to share right Mm -hmm. completely and and that's important because you know especially after an illness or when um 
somebody, well, anytime. There are, there are so many different circumstances when, uh, someone passes and it really, what I try and stay away from, maybe others have had this issue as well, is that there can be very fluid family dynamics and you know part of a story, but you may not know all of a story. And so you don't want to be intrusive, but you want to be respectful. And so you're balancing so many thoughts as you're trying also to offer solace. And that's hard. Let's face it. This is not easy to come up with the right words, but you don't want to put yourself in a situation where you've now caused others to perhaps have a different view or, or pass judgments or take information, as you said, that isn't yours to share and reshare. Right. Well, and I saw that. I saw variations of information um, last year that that were being shared or being passed around. Mm-hmm. And beyond, I mean, because we had core family members who had things that we had to handle. And so we had to have information between us that we were sharing, Mm -hmm. but then others stepped in and we're trying to find out things. And I hate to Mm -hmm. say some of it might've been gossip, you know? And so Mm -hmm. it's thankfully, um, my sisters and I are all kind of, you know, this is family information and it's (laughs) (laughs) within, you know, the circle. Um, and we're not going to share that's not necessary, but not everyone proceeds that way. And then if, then you have, well, I said something to someone and maybe I've offended someone else unintentionally because of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, you know, I think for those who aren't as close to that loss or that, that grief, what is appropriate for you to know? And do you need to ask certain things of certain people at a certain time? Mm-hmm. Because I saw where people had questions and created drama because of those questions. Ugh. And that wasn't the right time. I don't know that there's ever a time to create drama, but (laughs) well, and I don't know that it was intentional. I just, it, it became, that's what it, what stemmed, you know, a certain thing happened and they asked the wrong person something and then, you know, it gets spun out of control. And of course everyone's on edge. Um, You've got so much going on after you lose someone and it's, it, I, I absolutely just, I abhor the fact that you have so many things that you have to do right after you've experienced something like that right? and you have funeral plans and all of these other things that demand your attention and your attention isn't, isn't really available. Um, and yet there's more things that people do. And so I think that sometimes the requests for information, they can, they can hold off. And I, you know, I, I, I'm torn between whether or not some of that is that their way of trying to show compassion and say, Hey, I'm here for you. But I think that also it's, it's how they say it. (laughs) I also think that sometimes roles, whether it's at the funeral home or the church or people have their part to do. And so, um, in the recent loss of my father, I was sent all this paperwork and asked why I didn't get the obituary back to them. Well, it wasn't mine to write. It Mm. was his wife's to write. And, so then you are put in a position of, of saying, well, no, you need to call this person. Um, and, and it, it's very hard not to spin into a confusion or into more information sharing than you wish to right. do. Um, but the, 
the fact after, as you say, things have to be done and written. <laughs> and, and there can be disconnects. I mean, I, I finally found, uh, my father's obituary posted on a community website that someone else had posted. Oh. I had never seen it. <laughs> wow. Well, I'm just amplifying what you're saying. You know, sometimes we should be in the loop and right. sometimes we're not. Right. Um, and at that point, you have to shrug your shoulders and say, okay, they did the best they could at the time. Um, but that was a little shocking to right. receive that in, in that, you know, a, a Facebook post in a community group that I don't even go to unless my name has come up. And in this case, it did. And I thought, oh. All right. Well, it's nicely written. Okay. (laughs) Well, and, you know, I saw that as well. And I think that that comes back to communication because, you know, there's this assumption that, that, oh, there are families, (laughs) but there's, there's so many dynamics within any family. And and even our, ours, there were technically three families involved because, you know, they were older. My sister was older and, you know, had her husband and then, you know, all of these things. And so there's, uh, there's going to be disconnects, not to mention half of us hadn't been sleeping and everything else. So, you know, I think that it comes back to putting yourself in, in that perspective, understanding that first of all, no one is okay during this. Um, and then knowing what, is relevant information, whether it's to do with what plans need to be made or just someone asking questions on Facebook even because right. that happens, right? I got so oh, many yes. messages and I just, I, I don't, I think I replied to some, but some I, I didn't at all because it wasn't, I couldn't and it wasn't the time and I didn't even know who some of them were and that mm-hmm. might've come off as rude. I don't know, but you know, again, no. Is that the time to do that? And if, if you're just trying to show someone that you're there for them, say that instead. Um, right. You know, let them know, Hey, I'm so sorry. And if you need anything, let me know. Or, you know, changing the way that we communicate things during these times. Well, and I think that, you know, one of the things that we've spoken about before, it, it's really not personal at this point for the person suffering. It's just plain old pain. Right. And when you're in, pain, you're likely to have, depending on your circumstances, you you may have some good coping mechanisms. It may be too early and too raw. And this is when it really helps if someone just can be there uh, and listen well. Kindness and compassion are always helpful. And again, I'll mention it, fixing things is, this is probably not the best time to go and fix things. I do think people feel better, though, when they can go do something. So sometimes you'll see people doing errands uh, or mowing your lawn, mm. um, just gifts of, of their time. And remember, everybody expresses their love in different ways. And so they may be doing what they can in the only way that they know. We all know about the cooking part, right? <laughs> Yes. Um, and they do. And I, I, I had a conversation with my, one of my sisters. We had a difficult time. Um, but just that I have, you know, five. Um, and so thankfully we were all together and, and none of us were eating right. 
we were hardly sleeping. And so it was each of us telling the other one, you need to eat lunch or <laughs> you need you to know, sleep. We were taking care of each other because none of us were taking care of ourselves. And it was, it was good that there were so many of us doing that. Um, but we had a converse, I had a conversation with one of them and she said at some point that someone at her work had tried to help and she really had to pause and think, okay, this is their way of doing something for me and I need to accept it. It's not going to hurt me. It's not something that I don't necessarily need. Um, but I need to be able to accept that so that they can feel as though they have done something because it's, it's, it's a, a it's given a kindness. And take. Right. And I, I stopped and I thought that's true because how often do we, when someone says, Hey, can I help you? Oh, I'm fine. That's um, the stock answer. That's exactly. Yes. Um, we don't need anything. We're okay, but we're not okay. <laughs> so I think that that's for those who haven't had that experience yet realizing that it is okay. There are times when we need to accept that, um, and be willing to allow others to provide in some way, some sort of compassion and care and kindness. Well, all of those things are so important to, to making you feel whole, even if it's awkward to accept at times. I think sometimes we, we do say just fine. Um, but the other people do feel better if they're able to do something. And I, I think this compassion and kindness piece, it certainly flows through everything in our lives and we're better for it, but especially at times of grief and loss and, and not comparing losses, not giving it a hierarchy and, and being aware that we are each other's keeper and supporter and that we're not alone. And we need to listen well. And when we do, we connect in ways we never thought possible. So thank you for listening today to our Grieving, Compassion, and Comparison episode. And we'll be back next week with another aspect of grief and loss and how to get through it. Have a good week. Thank you for tuning in today. You can find more shows at wisehealthforwomenradio.com.